Welcome to Everyday Health Simplified. I'm Elisa Poole, ex-teacher turned health enthusiast. Each episode, you get bite-sized pieces of nutrition and mindset education so that you can be empowered to take the next step on your wellness journey. Welcome back. We talk a lot about food and nutrients on this show, but what about anti-nutrients? What are anti-nutrients and how serious are they? Today's episode will give you the lowdown on the anti-nutrient scoop so that you can become aware of your food choices. Let's start with a definition. Anti-nutrients are chemicals or substances in a food that not only block your ability to absorb nutrients from the food that you're eating, but can even leach out nutrients that you do have in your body. And they can also cause digestive problems or other issues. Many plant foods have anti-nutrients in them naturally because this is their biological way of protecting their species. Animals that eat the plants can sense the anti-nutrients and therefore stop eating them. (laughs) We humans are not quite as keen to recognize the ill effects of anti-nutrients in our food, so we often end up eating foods that can be harmful. How harmful? Well, that depends on how much or how many of those foods you're eating. You're not going to die if you eat foods with anti-nutrients in them. However, if you eat them frequently, they can cause serious health issues. So the point of today's show is to help you become aware of anti-nutrients, where you find them, and then take a look at your diet and see how often you're eating them and make any changes that you want to afterwards. There are three naturally occurring anti-nutrients I want to tell you about. First up is phytic acid. It's a natural plant chemical that can be positive or negative. On the plus side, it can help with insulin sensitivity and act as an antioxidant. But negatively, phytic acid binds to important minerals in our body, like calcium, iron, chromium, magnesium, and zinc. When phytic acid binds to these minerals, it creates a new compound called phytate. And once that's created, your body can no longer process that mineral. So put another way, phytic acid interferes with your absorption of iron, zinc, magnesium, and calcium. So why does it matter if we can't use those minerals anymore? Because minerals are what our bodies use to create many enzymes. And enzymes are required by our bodies to carry out all the multiple invisible biochemical reactions ranging from digestion to breathing. Without enzymes, we can have serious health problems, and so we need minerals. And if we want minerals, we need to make sure we're absorbing them from our foods. For example, almonds contain calcium, but they are also very high in phytic acid. The phytic acid in the almonds can interfere with your ability to absorb that calcium. And if you eat a lot of almonds or almond milk or almond products, it might even be causing a calcium deficiency. And over time, this can lead to weak bones and teeth. Did anyone else start hearing the old weird science song playing in the background? Weird science. What foods have phytic acid? Well, all seeds, like sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, quinoa, yes, it's technically a seed, also beans and legumes, and cereal grains, like wheat, corn, soy, oats, brown rice. And we've got nuts, 
like almonds, walnuts, Brazil nuts, seeds and nuts are the way that those plants reproduce. So when you think about it, it makes sense that nature is protecting their babies, right? Their ability to reproduce. Our bodies don't make the enzyme that cancels out phytic acid, that's called phytase. So if you eat a lot of foods that have phytic acid, you might want to prepare the foods that contain phytic acid in such a way that it removes it, okay? Or you can just not eat those foods. But in my house, we eat a lot of seeds and nuts and I don't want to stop eating them. <laughs> I like them. So I wanna continue eating them without inhibiting my absorption of minerals. So I prep them. How do you prep nuts and seeds to eat? You soak them, usually overnight. You put the seeds in a bowl and cover them with filtered water and then you add a tablespoon of sea salt for every few cups of nuts that you're soaking. Then you dehydrate them. If you have a dehydrator, you can use that. I don't have a dehydrator, so I use my oven. You've got two ways to do that. You can roast them at 300 Fahrenheit in a single layer if you're willing to flip them every 15 minutes or so so they don't burn. Or you can set your oven to the lowest setting, which is around 170 Fahrenheit, and put them in a single layer on cookie shoots and let them dehydrate for eight to 12 hours. For beans, you soak them in water and salt, discard the water, and then cook according to directions. Whenever you soak, you always wanna discard that water. For grains, like rice, you can sprout them in water, which is a fairly lengthy process requiring several days. You can ferment them. You could treat them with acid, like a vinegar. All that helps break down the phytic acid. You can also buy sprouted rice at the store, which is what I do because I don't want to spend the time fermenting all the grains. Also, white rice doesn't have as much phytic acid, so if you're looking for alternatives, that could be one for you. Sourdough fermentation helps break down phytic acid too, which is one reason why sourdough breads are touted as healthier options than regular flour breads. The reason that grains are popular as a health food typically is because they're considered high in fiber, but the phytic acid also inhibits the ability to absorb the minerals within them. So you can look for fiber and vitamins in other sources besides grains. Grains also have lectins, which is the second anti-nutrient you wanna know about. Lectins are defense compounds that plants make not to be eaten by animals, right? Another survival mechanism. Some are more problematic than others because they can create proteins that stick to certain types of carbohydrates in your body, and they can create chronic inflammation and contribute to leaky gut. In some people, it can cause a major stress response and an immediate drop in energy, but more often it acts really slowly, wearing down a person's energy over time. What foods have lectins? Again, you've got beans, lentils, peas. Again, you have wheat, soybeans, peanuts. And other sources that bother some people are nightshade vegetables, like bell peppers and eggplants. So to prepare beans and lentils and peas, etc., you're gonna soak them, you can ferment the grains, and you can also just play around eating some, like bell peppers and eggplants, tomatoes, uh, cooked or not, sort of play around and see how things react with you. Of course, for any of these foods containing phytic acid or lectins, you can simply cut down on those foods or how often you eat those foods. It's totally up to you. Another one is called oxalic acid, which is another natural plant chemical, and this one is found in leafy greens like spinach, kale, rhubarb. The oxalic acid steals minerals back from the body. So it binds to calcium to form crystals that start circulating in your blood. Those get into your joints, your kidneys, and other tissues, and they cause inflammation. And it's actually on the rise as a cause of kidney stones. To avoid oxalic acid, you can prepare kale or spinach by steaming them and then draining the water. Other foods that are high in oxalic acid are almonds, rice bran, and miso. 
Remember, I'm telling you about these anti-nutrients, not because you can never eat those foods again. I share this so that you can be aware of how often you're eating those foods, and if you do eat them frequently, you could look for ways to eat them without having those negative impacts. If you're eating them infrequently, it's probably not a big deal. And like the clash, you can rock or block the lectins. You pick. Your body may not like it. Dun, 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 dun. Block the lectins and phytic acid. Now, the next three anti-nutrients I highly discourage because they are all man-made. None of them are naturally occurring, so it's going to take a conscious choice from you to start reading labels and voting with your dollar to get these out of your system. First up is artificials. I'm talking sweeteners, flavors, and colors. Artificials are highly disruptive of our gut bacteria. They affect the brain, attention, behavior, especially in children. They cause headaches, myself included. They cause increased food cravings. They sap energy, and they can cross the blood-brain barrier. Where do you find them? There are too many places to list them all these days, but anything that says it's low sugar or low calorie but is sweet is a very good place to start, like diet sodas, energy drinks, sugar-free lattes, snack bars, and many, many more. Also, look for anything flavored like chips, crackers, processed foods, fast food. Artificial sweeteners include, but are not limited to, aspartame, sucralose, ACE-K, which is known as acylfamy potassium, And the jury is still out on more natural sweeteners like monk fruit and stevia. If you're going to use those, I would make sure there are no other ingredients added. Use a pure form. The purest form, the better. In my opinion, it might be better just to eat the sugar. One pure soda made with sugar cane, at least getting trace minerals, and your brain is going to register the sweetness and you're going to feel satiated. Having a Diet Coke so that you can actually have something else later is doing terrible things to your body. Have the Coke with sugar and see if you actually need or want anything sweet later. Eat the homemade cookie from scratch, not that tube of dough you get in the refrigerated section instead of the packaged ones in the, in the shelves that have the nasty oils the preservatives and other chemicals in it. Eat the homemade goodie and see how you feel after. Artificial and natural flavors are pretty hard to list because most of them are chemical compounds that include artificial fats, emulsifiers, thickeners, and more. There's a huge business in making these chemicals. Even quote-unquote natural flavors are not from the source. Example, natural beef flavor in McDonald's, if you see that in the ingredients, that's actually made from wheat and milk. And flavor in in food is the same as fragrance in personal care products. Both are chemical mixtures. You've got MSG, which are monosodium glutamate, yeast extract, artificial flavors and colors like food dyes and caramel coloring, and so many more. The moral of the story is to read your labels. If you don't know what an ingredient is, look it up or don't eat it. The less processed foods you eat, the less you'll come in contact with those. And while you're reading your labels, look for oils. If it has oil in it, I recommend eating very little of that food. It's the next anti-nutrient. And I'm talking about seed oils. Seed oils all require chemistry labs to create them. They are the result of harsh industrial processes and even creating them harms the fats inside. They're chemically damaged and they get worse as they are stored, shipped, and then used in cooking, usually repeatedly, especially in restaurant settings. They're all very high in omega-6 fats. They are unstable. They are easily oxidated. And the problem is that those can take years to get out of your system. It's very interesting because the amount 
of omega-6s has increased in human adult fat cells by 136% in the last 50 years. They congregate in your fat cells, creating inflammation, but they also get into your bloodstream and connect to your LDL, which is your bad cholesterol. They create free radicals, they damage the DNA in your cells, they inflame your heart tissue, they raise risk of several types of cancer, they inflame the fat in your brain, they interfere with your brain metabolism. In fact, there was a seven-year randomized controlled trial in humans that found that eating vegetable oil increased the risk of premature death by 62%, which is more than being sedentary, smoking drinking, eating sugar, processed meat, or too much sodium. So the sources you want to avoid are corn oil, soybean oil, safflower oil, cottonseed oil, sunflower oil, and any blends. Instead, go for cold-pressed oils from unrefined sources like extra virgin olive oil, flaxseed oil, coconut oil, avocado oil, because cold-pressed oils are richer in antioxidants than any refined oils. The refining process removes those antioxidant qualities. And the third man-made anti-nutrient is glyphosate and any other herbicide or pesticide. I touched on this a few episodes ago. Basically, Glyphosate is a toxin that accumulates in your fat and brain tissue. It disrupts your gut microbiome, it kills soil nutrients and that microbiome, and it has been shown to change your mitochondrial membrane and decrease your energy production. It binds to iron, copper, zinc, manganese, calcium, magnesium, and sabotages your body on multiple levels. Remember, it's also sprayed on the crops at the end of the growing season to kill it, so it carries on into the food we eat. Grains contain the highest residue amounts of glyphosate, so cut them way down and eat only organic if you're eating anything grain-related. The man-made anti-nutrients like seed oils, artificial anything, and glyphosate, I highly recommend never consuming again. There is nothing good that can come from those three, and I challenge you to disprove me on that, and I welcome it. The naturally occurring anti-nutrients like phytic acid, lectins, and oxalic acid, you can absolutely incorporate into your diet. Some people are more sensitive than others to those, as, as is the case with most things in life, right? If you want to eliminate something for four weeks and see if you notice any difference, try it. It's a great way to go about things. In general, I would advise you to eat smaller amounts, prepare them correctly when you can, and don't eat the same vegetables or beans or seeds all of the time. Mix things up so that your body is getting a variety of nutrients and not getting repeated doses of the anti-nutrients inside them. Again, awareness of frequency and variety is helpful. And that's it for today. Next week, I'll be sharing my top five favorite foods for health. I hope you'll tune in to hear them. Thank you for listening today. If you wouldn't mind, I would love for you to share this episode with your friends. Give them the link so they can learn too. We can never make changes if we don't know what we need to change, right? I do want to repeat that the information on this podcast is not to be considered or confused with medical advice. What I do is report back to you what I'm reading and learning. Obviously, all of you have unique needs and circumstances, so take what you hear and apply what you will. And if you have any questions, please consult your doctor. We'll see you next week, and until then, keep practicing health every day. Bye-bye.